Hi, welcome back to the Rabbi Rabinowitz podcast, hosted by the Jacksonville Kollel. This is going to be the last podcast about Rosh Hashanah. I think that the only thing that we have left to discuss is the special foods that are customary to eat on Rosh Hashanah night. In the Machzer, it describes this as Simana Milsa. Simana Milsa means an omen is a thing, which means that uh, the Gemara discusses, the Talmud discusses, whether or not uh, you could rely on omens or not rely on omens, or to be more precise, um, is there any significance to an omen or not. And it says that there are times where there is significance to the omen, and based on this idea, we do, we eat certain foods because they would actually have a good omen associated with them. Additionally, there are foods that we don't eat on Rosh Hashanah because they're associated with a bad omen. So, for example, uh, many people have a custom to not eat something that's extra sharp or extra sour. Um, many people stay away from vinegar during Rosh Hashanah or um, horseradish on Rosh Hashanah. I don't know. It was always a question. What do you do if you eat gefilte fish? And... Uh, you don't really associate the horseradish as, uh, I mean, that's what makes the fish enjoyable. So you serve fish, which, as we'll talk about, is a good omen to have in Rosh Hashanah, and uh, you feel like you're missing something if you don't have the horseradish. I don't know. But uh, nevertheless, people stay away from horseradish. They stay away from vinegar. Uh, some have the custom only for Rosh Hashanah. Uh, other people uh, take it longer, and some all the way until Yom Kippur, and some all the way until Hoshana Rabbah the seventh day of Sukkot. So so people stay away from those types of foods which are associated with bad ideas, sharp, sour. Um, there's also an idea to not eat nuts because the word for nuts is egos, and uh, the gematria of egos is the same as the gematria of chet. Chet is sin. Now, there's two things which are worth pointing out. Number one is that, uh, actually it's off by one, so, because Egos, Aleph is 1, Gimel is 3, is 4, Vav is 6, that gets us up to 10, and Zion is 7, is 17. But Chet is 8 for Ches, and 9 for Tes is 17, but there's an Aleph at the end of Chet. So it's 18. So there's two answers. One answer is that a Gematria is allowed to be off by 1. People take that, they hear that, they think that it's a cap out, but there's a rule with Gematrias, that Gematrias are allowed to be off by 1. And the other answer, which is not necessarily any better, is that in the word chait, so in the in, in the word chait, so you don't hear the aleph. It's a silent aleph at the end of the word. So because you don't hear the aleph, therefore we could view it as 17. So therefore there's this idea to not eat nuts on Rosh Hashanah. Some people say that egos is not all nuts, but it's specifically walnuts. And therefore it's walnuts that they don't eat. There's this famous idea from the Kutzker Rebbe. The Kutzker Rebbe was a Hasidic master. And uh, the Kutzker Rebbe said that everyone is so, so careful to stay away from nuts. And the reason is because the nuts have, the word for nuts has the same gematria as the word for sin. He says, but don't forget that you should really also put in extra effort to stay away from sin, because sin has the same gematria as sin. 
And as a Rebbe of mine pointed out once, actually this one, the gematria really works. It's, sin is exactly the same gematria as sin because of course it's the same word. But anyways, these are the negative things that we want to stay away from on Rosh Hashanah. But we also have these positive things that we eat. And the reason why we would eat them is for a few possible reasons. One is because the taste um, is something which is sweet. So like, for example, everybody knows honey on Rosh Hashanah. So when we eat honey on Rosh Hashanah, it's because honey is sweet and we want a sweet cheer. Some of the other examples are because the actual word that we use to describe that food or the name of that food is usually like a pun, really, a play on words similar to a different idea, and that's why we eat them. So let's give a few examples. So I'm just going to do what it says over here in the machzor. I'm going to go through those. So number one is honey. Um, so we eat the honey and we say, Hashem may be your will, Hashem, our God, the God of our fathers, that you renew for us a good and sweet year. How is it connected to honey? Because honey is sweet. The next one on the next page is is eating carrots. That we should have a lot of merits. Now, what does merits have to do with carrots? It's not because it rhymes. So, the reason is because the word for carrots in Yiddish is merin. And the word in Yiddish for more is similar to the English word, is mer. So mer means more, and merin is the Yiddish word for carrots. So it sounds similar. In Israel, where they're not necessarily Yiddish speakers, they do eat carrots, but for a different reason. Because the word for a decree is a gezerah, and the word for carrots is gezar, so, or gezer, rather. So it sounds similar. Gezer, carrots, and gezerah, or gezar, for a decree, uh, sounds very similar. So therefore... Therefore, they would say, That if there's a bad, evil decree against us, that it should be ripped up, because the words sound similar. Now, there's another one that we say later on for leeks. Um, the word in Hebrew for leeks is karsi. Um, and the kares means to cut off. So we ask Hashem that he should cut off our enemies. Again, because leek is the word is karsi, and it also means to cut off. So my father points out that um, if you read that word, not kares, but karet, and you put a dot in the tuff, or you read it like an Israeli or a Sephardi, so then that would sound similar to carrot. So you could really, uh, he says all three. He picks up a carrot, and he says, Yirbu Zechiyosenu, an increase in merit, because... The Yiddish word, Marin, is like more. And then, to, uh, Yikra Roa Gizar Dinenu, uh, to rip up the evil decree, because Gizar is similar to Gezer, the decree and carrot. And then, Yikartu Sonenu, that those that hate us should be cut off, because Yikartu, cut off, is like carrot. So, uh, that's perfectly legitimate. That's perfectly legitimate. And there's all of these, uh, ones which, uh, you know, it's only for the omen, so therefore, even if it seems like a stretch, there's nothing wrong with it. So similarly, uh, beets, the word in Hebrew for beet is a selek, and lisalek is to remove, so we ask Hashem to remove our enemies. Um, tamar is a date, and uh, yitamu means to be uh, to be finished, 
Um, so we ask Hashem that we should be finished with those that hate us. Um, on the other hand, like pomegranate, so th- it's it seems that the only association that we're going to make with the pomegranate is just that it has so many seeds. So because it has so many seeds, not because of the word, but because it has so many seeds, we ask Hashem that we should have many merits, just like a pomegranate has many seeds. Now, there's this, everybody, I shouldn't say everybody knows, but you may have heard this idea that uh, pomegranate has 613 seeds. I'm unaware of any source for it. Uh, I have a student that always tells me that uh, one year his father and a bunch of friends got together and they counted and they thought that they that they only had 612 and then they found under the couch cushion there was one more missing uh, seed for the pomegranate. So, I don't know. It's possible. But I'm unaware of a source that actually says that there are 613 uh, seeds in a pomegranate. When it comes to fish, so again, it's not the word, but the idea, because um, fish uh, have many babies at once, so therefore we ask that it should be an omen, shenifra, venirbe, kaldagim, we should have a lot of children like fish, um, and then we, and then some people have the head of a fish, or if you're really bold, the head of a sheep or lamb, and, uh, and then you ask Hashem, shenia lerosh, we should always be at the head, and never in the back at the tail. Now, it seems that it's perfectly acceptable for one to go and make up their own uh, simon, their own type of omen. There's nothing There's nothing wrong with that, because uh, even these are just like really a play on words. So there's a joke that came out about uh, 25 years ago. At the time, it was hilarious. Uh, you probably heard it already, but just in case you didn't, so they came, so somebody had this idea that you should have lettuce, half of a raisin and celery, and then you should say, let us have a raisin, celery. Just say the foods that you're eating, asking that let us have a raisin, not celery, but salary. So, if you have people at your table and they never heard it before, it's a great joke. If... uh, if they have heard it before, they're like, okay, you know, that was funny 20 years ago, the first time I heard it. But anyway, that's uh, that's probably the most famous play on words that there are. There are some other ones. Also, I remember in 10th grade, my Rebbe told us that uh, someone uh, asked his Rebbe to have schnitzel, because the Hebrew word shenitzal in Hebrew means that we should be saved. So uh, so he said, should we have schnitzel? And ask Hashem shenitzal, that we should be saved from all of our problems. And his Rebbe said, yeah, why not? So... Anything that one could come up with that would uh, that would also fit in these types of themes are 100% uh, legitimate. There is a question that comes up, which is, we know that when you make a hamotzi, so that covers all of the other brachos. And uh, therefore, we make kiddush, don't we make hamotzi, and then you don't have to make a bracha on all of the other food at your meal, except that's actually not so simple. There are exceptions to that rule. So, for example, if you're not having a cake or cookies, you're not having a flour-based item for dessert, so then according to most, you really should make a bracha on your dessert. Similarly, if you would have something that really doesn't belong there, it's really not part of the meal, but for some reason you're having it during the meal, so the hamotzi wouldn't cover that food either. So an example of that would be if you just go and you have fruit 
at the beginning of your meal. So you'll say, well, what about a fruit salad that I, that's there to whet my appetite? So yeah, that's a tricky one. It's a big debate. Uh, some people try to avoid it because, because, because it is problem. The question is, is it there as like a first course or does it really not belong there as part of the meal? But it's no question that uh, having an apple dipped in honey is not normal to have at the beginning of your meal. Therefore, really the apple would require a bracha, would require a ha'etz. Uh, so therefore one, after they make, they have their hamotzi and they have their apple dipped in honey, so before they have their apple dipped in honey, rather they should make a bracha of ha'etz. The only thing is that there are rules, which is, if you have different foods in front of you and you're gonna make a ha'etz, so let's say for example you have a pomegranate and a date and an apple, so you're only going to make a ha'etz once. So which one should you hold in your hand when you make a ha'etz? So this is where life gets tricky, because the rule is that if it's one of the seven species that the Torah tells us that Israel is blessed with, which both dates and pomegranates are, then that should come first. And based on the rule the Talmud says, the dates would come before the pomegranate, which means really you should make your ha'etz on the date. The only thing is, a lot of people, they follow what it says in the Machzer, and the first one on the list is the apple dipped in honey. So what do you do in that case? So if the dates and the pomegranate are not on the table, then you could just make your bracha on the apple. Um, if not, then really you should make a bracha on on the date and have in mind also the pomegranate and the uh, apple dipped in honey, or if you don't have a date on the pomegranate, which, which whichever one it is, if you don't have any of those and you're just only ha'etz that you're having is an apple, so of course that's the one that would get a bracha. But my point is just that you should make a bracha of ha'etz on the apple. However, if you have something else which would be more appropriate to make the bracha on, because it's one of the seven species, then yes, you should make the bracha on that, and not on the apple. One last thing before we finish, and that is that, this is a little bit tricky, but there is a question whether or not the second night of Rosh Hashanah needs a Shehechianu, or doesn't need a Shehechianu. Now, that's because Rosh Hashanah is tricky and it's different than all of the other Yomim Tovim, all of the other holidays. You may know that the Torah tells us that you're supposed to have one Seder on Pesach, you're supposed to have one day of Sukkot before Chalmoy, the intermediate days start. Uh, Shavuos is supposed to be one day. And the problem is, because of confusion in the diaspora, that's why we started having two days for all of these holidays. Rosh Hashanah is the one exception to the rule where you have two days of Rosh Hashanah in the diaspora, but you also have two days of Rosh Hashanah in the land of Israel. Now, the truth is that according to the Torah, there really should be only one day of Rosh Hashanah in the land of Israel, but today, and this has been this way for uh, a thousand years already, even in, maybe less, but uh, for a long time, seven, eight hundred years, even in the land of Israel, they have two days of Rosh Hashanah. Now, therefore, Rosh Hashanah is viewed a little bit different than all the other holidays, and because of this, there's a debate. When it comes to the second night of Sukkot, there's no question when you make Kiddush, when a woman lights candles, she makes a Shehachianu. When it comes to the second night of Shavuos, there's no question that it would get a Shehachianu. Shavuos, however, uh, Rosh Hashanah rather, there's a debate whether it should get a Shehachianu or whether it should not get a Shehachianu. Let's not try to get... Uh, 
confused anymore by trying to understand why. But the bottom line is, is that there is a disagreement whether or not the second night of Rosh Hashanah gets a Shachianu or not. Our practice is that we do make a Shachianu. So, really, that's it. End of story. We make a Shachianu. A woman, she lights candles, makes a Shachianu. A man, when he makes Kiddush, makes a Shachianu. The problem is, we want to be extra, extra careful and extra from, if you will. And we say, well, what about that other opinion? What about the opinion that said that you should not make a Shechianu on the second night? So according to that opinion, you'd be making a brach in vain. So the answer is, yeah, that's true, but we don't follow that opinion. But if we can make everybody happy, of course we'd be happier to make everybody happy. So how can we make everybody happy? Well, if when the, uh, whoever it is that's making Kiddush, if he puts on a brand new suit, so really the suit would require a bracha of Shechianu, because new clothes require a bracha of Shechianu. Not any new clothes, but something exciting like a new suit would require a bracha of Shechianu. Um, or if the... Uh, Woman of the house, when she's lighting candles, if she has some new outfit that she got for Yom Tov, and it's something that she's excited about, so then that would really deserve a Shachianu. Or if you're looking for a little bit of a cheaper option, so if you have a new fruit that you haven't had, so then the new fruit would require a Shachianu. So if you take that new fruit and you put it on the table, or you put it next to the candles, or both, so then really that would also require Shekhyonu, and then even the opinion that says that there's no Shekhyonu on the second night of Rosh Hashanah, he would tell you, of course, go make your brach of Shekhyonu, because you're making it on the new fruit, not on the fact that it's the second day of Yom Tov. So therefore, therefore, a lot of people try to get a new fruit to have on the second night of Rosh Hashanah, and that way, they'll be able to go and have a Shachianu, and the Shachianu would be appropriate according to all opinions. Now, many people haven't had a pomegranate in ages, probably since last Rosh Hashanah, but the problem with that is that you ate, or you probably ate pomegranate on the first night. So if you want to follow this custom of having pomegranate on the first night, and asking Hashem, which have many merits, like a pomegranate has many seeds, well, then obviously pomegranate's out. You won't be able to use that for the second night, and you'll have to go get a star fruit or a persimmon or one of the, or dragon fruits or one of the interesting fruits that they sell in the stores in order to be able to have an appropriate shachianu for the second night. The bottom line is, though, if one does not have a new outfit or a new fruit. So we definitely follow the opinion that Rosh Hashanah does get a Shachianu on the second night. So even if you don't have something else, that's perfectly fine. And you definitely would make a Shachianu when lighting candles and when making Kiddush. I believe this covers everything. So this was a real, I enjoyed creating these podcasts. I hope you enjoyed listening to them and uh, found them somewhat educational. I wish everybody a kesiva vachasima tova. May everybody be written and sealed in the book of life. And uh, God willing, I will continue and make podcasts about Yom Kippur next year.